Revenge of the 80s Kids has been rated P for Podcast. Gentlemen and lady, we have a problem. I'm afraid it's deeply sinister, scary, unnerving even, with sudden jumps. You know, suddenly it's quiet, the music's building, there's a tension in the air, and suddenly it turns out it was a cat all along. This cannot stand! And I, for one, will be standing at the back as we work our way through this dark labyrinth, where I'm sure I will be safe and not picked off. Indeed, for we are the 80s kids, but uh, we've all grown fangs. We have, uh, there's something funny about our eyes. Uh, some of us may have been body snatched. Uh, it is, of course, uh, you know, I don't know if it's traditional, but, you know, everybody likes to do a bit of a Halloween-y thing around Halloween, so this is our Halloween special. Uh, and we are joined by a full compliment tonight. There's lots of people here. I am, of course, Leo. I am one of the 80s kids. We were introduced ably by Ian, another of the 80s kids. Yes, I'm Ian, and I want brains. And, uh, of course, we have also... Uh, well, that'll be me, Justin, uh, uh, and my, my experiment has gone wrong. I'm now part cop. Oh, you, you broke up just at the point where you did the punchline. You're there. breaking up! What was that? <laughs> Say it again! Oh, oh, no. that's, that's because I'm breaking up because I'm now part cockroach due to my hideous... Ah, right, okay, good. That, mant and all that. Okay, cool. And uh, finally, we're joined tonight by... Well, I'm Sue. Or am I Sue? I don't know. Where is my wife? What have you done with her? <laughs> and, uh, yes, of course, it's, it's that Halloween-y time of year, and uh, we, we have, we've looked in the face of diminishing returns for an idea and, and laughed. <laughs> uh, so we are going to do, uh, as would probably be traditional, our top three Halloween movies, which would lead to the story arc-busting uh, question, what are we going to do next Halloween? Well, we've got a full year to think about that, so we're not going to worry about it now. Um, so we've all picked three of our top favourite Halloween movies, or horror movies, and we're going to discuss those. Um, but before we do, uh, let us talk about uh, horror fandom, and I think if we were going to rank ourselves in order of fandom, uh, probably the fan in the room overall, it's probably Sue, isn't it? I love horror films, but I also love comedy horror films, and I like I love things that are gruesome, morbid, a little bit weird, a little bit odd, a little bit... I like crazy and cuckoo and a little bit eccentric. How do you feel about bad horror movies? I don't mind most of them, but so, if you get a really, really bad one, I just kind of laugh so, through it. You know, I know, it's not about laughing, I'm talking, I'm thinking, because there's a lot of horror movies. We, we watched one last week, yeah. uh, which isn't going to be on the list, so I'm pretty sure, so we can safely discuss it. VHS. Oh, God. That was oh, yeah. yeah. I saw that. Yeah, it's a terrible film, yeah. <laughs> it was a bit pointless, but whatever. You know, it, it, they don't it have... It had its moments. I thought, 
it doesn't offend me. Things like that don't really offend me because it's kind of like I understand why some people get scared by things, but it's because I don't get scared by most things, so, which is why I tend towards the comedy horror a bit more because I yeah. nothing really scares me. So yeah, so I mean yeah, but I mean the point is that there's quite a lot of that stuff on Netflix yeah. and, and stuff. We don't really watch it. Maybe yeah. we should watch more. Maybe yeah. we should watch, watch more but, bad horror movies. Yeah, I don't mind the bad horror movies, but I like a lot of things with mythology. Um, I like a lot of. I mean, I like a lot of things that have got a lot of unusualness about them. So things that other people find a bit weird and creepy, I find kind of cool. And yeah, it's you know that's just who I am. So things like Pan's Labyrinth, which creeps other people out, I find kind of cool, and I kind of yeah. want to be living in that world. If you get what I mean, it's just that's who I am. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of the person who wants to fall down the rabbit hole and be in Alice in Wonderland's world. If you get what I mean. So horror movies to me are are part of the fun. Um, I mean, Justin, you've been saying you've been watching quite a lot of horror movies. Recently. I have. Uh, since, I, since I acquired Netflix, and, you know, it, it, it's there in the corner of the room while I'm working, and and uh, I've seen a lot. I, I must admit, you know, there's a lot of uh, not terribly good films, but I think there's merit in horror yeah. films. And I think, you know, the point is they're meant to be, you know, with there are obviously films come along that are generally everything's right, it's fantastic writing, and they are quality films in their own right. And then, of course, a lot of films are just to, you know, take a, your girlfriend to and get spooked. They're not meant to be, you know, terribly uh, involving and, and fantastic films. They are what they are. Prior and so, you know, there's a place for that, I think. Prior, to your, prior to your acquisition of Netflix, were you were you a horror enthusiast? Have you watched so, I very rarely would have gone, because I'm a bit of a wuss with horror, um, and quite squeamish, so it's very rare that I will actually take myself to a cinema to go and see a horror film. Right. There's lots of, I, I would say... The distance that I have on watching online that is uh, works for me. I think that I would therefore be muddled as to which is two and which is three, because I, I used to watch a lot of horror movies when I was younger, a lot, a lot of horror movies. Now I barely watch them, because I just, I just don't think anyone's doing anything exciting with the genre, so... I don't. I don't really watch it, so I haven't really sat down and watched horror movies. I don't know. Consistently I mean, you watch a lot of Rob, Rob Zombie horror movies. And stuff yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, when there are things because you hadn't good. watched them, but I thought they had yeah. merit in them. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, so you know, so that that that's so we're somewhere in the middle. And then Ian, I think that you would class yourself possibly as not a horror fan. Honestly, no. I mean, I don't own any horror DVDs. Well, I suppose you could class Alien as a horror film. You could definitely. Um, Yes. Um, I, I suppose when it comes to horror films, I'm not necessarily a fan of Splat Gore Horror Shock. I think I prefer my scares to be more chills. I prefer subtlety. And I, I kind of like you're up against like malevolent that's being that's almost passive aggressive against you uh, in terms of its horror. It's, it's an impersonal creeping thing sort of horror movies. I suppose. Yes. Yeah, so um, so I've never really actively sought out anything. There's very rarely I'll go see a horror film in a well, cinema. I don't, or, or, you know, various exorcism iterations we've had recently. I've just not even. And yet, ironically, you came when you were last in England with us. You came to see a horror film with us. We dragged you. Which one? Uh, that silly one with Nathan Fillion in. That wasn't the last time he was in the. Oh, oh yes. Dragged him to see that one. What was it called? I can't even remember. The White Noise Two. That was it. White Noise Two. That was a waste of time. Actually, I, I had gone see White Noise on my own. So, mind yeah. you, that's creeping. 
subtle horror, I suppose, isn't it? Because it's, it's voices on a recording. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so 1.2 was just silly. Yeah. What I would say... What See, I, I prefer much more blood and gore and yeah. splats. So, what yeah. I would say, what I would say overall is that if you've got a group of actual very big horror fans into a room to discuss horror, I think there are certain titles that you could expect to see crop up in a list of top Well, there'd three. be a lot of Hammer and there'd be a lot, well, of, I don't, I mean, yeah, be I, a lot of the old school I Dracula movies. I wouldn't whole... speculate, but I'd say that... Well, they'd have to give them a bit of an honorary nod. Whereas I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thinking that in this list that we're about to it's go... Gonna these be lists, a bit mental. There's going to be like some schizophrenic choices. Yeah, it's so going to be a bit I'm mental. kind of looking forward to it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> shall we uh, commence? And of course, the uh, dictum is ladies first. So, Sue, what is your number three? Brain dead. Ah, the Peter. Oh, that's good fun. That's it. Yes. <laughs> it's, a, it's good fun. B because it's lots of blood and gore, um, <laughs> especially the ending with the in the house on the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, has everybody seen uh, Brain Dead, which is known by another name, I think. Brain. Um, yeah, it is, isn't it? In America, it's yeah. known by some, another name, which I cannot remember. Uh, for those of you that, uh, for those of you that maybe confused as to what what this this movie is. Um, it is the one where the, the um, man lives with his mother and the and mother the is rats. terribly domineering yeah. and the rat monkey scratches her and she dies. Then she becomes a zombie and then it goes mental. And then she has a baby. Mind. The baby yes. is what I love. Selwyn, yes. yes. Uh, the baby is me happy all over. Uh, Any time you have to put a baby behind a, a cage of, of barbed wire and it's pushed it's, it's the early <laughs> It's the early darker oeuvre of Peter Jackson before he became Mr... Lord of the Rings. Absolutely, but it's you know it's cartoon, isn't it? I mean, it's the the blood and gore is so ridiculous that yeah. I don't you can really take any point of it seriously. Yeah, it just revels in the the craziness of all that. You it's, know, uh, it's yeah, absolutely it's, crazy. But at yeah, the same time, yeah. it's hilariously funny, and at the same time, it's very gruesome. Yeah, so yeah. I kind of love all of that about that. Ian. You seen you seen this one? I have not seen this one. This is going to be a recurring theme, I, have, I fear. I think, I think, Ian, you could probably get away with this. Oh, you'd like, yeah, I think it, you'd enjoy it. it. Definitely. Definitely. seriously would be scared and disturbed because, it, I say, it's so over the top that it's you just want to laugh at it. Any, any, it's, film, it's, any film I was, that's I was, the line, I kick ass for the Lord, <laughs> it's, it's got to be, you know. Well, you know, I like it. I was much more taken with the idea of going to see Pan's Labyrinth. That's yeah. the film. Is like, oh, I really yes. should get around to seeing that one day. Yeah. Um, I think that the, what you should, what we should point out. Yeah, I mean, I think what we can say about Brain Dead, 100, percent is that it is. Well, Peter Jackson wanted to make special effects movies, and he realised at the time I don't have much money, so he did this thing where it was like, well, I've got some money, but there's only so much I can do with this. I think one of the things that um, always strikes me about Brain Dead is that it's. A zombie movie, almost within a hair, as made by the Monty Python team. Yes, yes, it, it, it is. <laughs> That's a good sum up. It, it has that double kind particularly, of particularly the, the creature at the end, which is so ridiculous. You know, it might as well be, you know, uh, vampire rabbits or whatever. It is just. Yeah, I think that's a good... I think there's, this, yeah, there's this weird thing about it where it's possibly because, um, you know, Peter Jackson is a Kiwi and at the time was, you know, resident full-time. He hadn't had meetings with all these American folks. He was pretty much pure New Zealand at the time. And, of course, you know, that gives it a line to Britain, um, you know, 
Yeah, that gives us a, light, a through line to, to, to the UK with that. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And it's set in the kind of 50s, so it's everything kind of looks, you know, very kind of British and Yeah, no, it's... it's and then as well as which there's this high cold thing of, of, of um, there being a sort of layer of being a comedy of manners where he's like, yes. dominated by his mother and that's kind of, you know. So actually, I mean, if you, th- if you take... And the girl it, that he's in love with that he can't be with because his mother doesn't like her. But she, she kind of, of, yeah, it's assumed that she does it. In fact, it takes the setup of Ronnie Corbett's sitcom Sorry <laughs> and turns it into a so you know what can we say? That's that's, that's definitely. Yeah. And which Timothy? Timothy. I'm saying this is one you could actually go and watch because you will laugh all the way through. It's you, it, the score. You it's, know, it's, gore is this was ridiculous. You know, there's yeah. people losing limbs every night, buckets of blood everywhere. And there is a, there, there is a thing. There is a gleeful undermining in the fact that the head zombie being uh, being the, the guy's mother. Yeah. At the beginning, before she gets rat monkeyed, she is um, very much um, hyacinth bouquet. Isn't yeah. she? She's very much. Yes. Uh, I'm on the I'm on the Rotary Club, and I'm you know <laughs> a, a town elder and a, a you know social climber. Yeah. And then and then it says we're taking that person and we're turning them into something from Return of the Living Dead <laughs> and 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 beyond. Yeah. So you know it's that's... a great fun. Bloodfest of a film, and as says, I love the baby. The Cedric is just and, and of course, and of course, and of course, an, an unofficial uh, universe-sharing sequel in the same universe of uh, King Kong, yeah. which everybody knows, of course. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I didn't. Did you not know that at the beginning when they get Stop. the rat monkey, the rat monkey comes from the island where King Kong comes from. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and obviously it takes place in the 1950s, so it's after it's it's sequel. Left the island. So yeah, it's a sequel to King Kong. Yeah, so there we go. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm uh, uh, Your gl- right, right, Ian. Let's give you a chance to take the floor here. What is your number three pick? Well, I've got a much meagre list in my head, and the advice I was given was just go with what's evocative in your head in making your list. So just throwing this out there as my number three, and therefore the least on my list. I just wanted to say others. Oh, Cole Kidman. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. It's it's the scare movie that I was able to sit my mum down in front of. Like, you know what I mean? There was something about that. It's like, no, watch this. It's a bit scary, but I think you'll like it. Yeah. Um. Uh, there's there's going to be a, a growing theme in my movies of creepy children. Uh, this one. Well, yeah, that's creepy. There's creepiness going on there. Light sensitive children, aren't weirdly, they? Weirdly, there is actually a name for this phenomena, and even more weirdly, in the current tabloid age, that fear is called paedophobia, which of course yes. everybody, which of course everybody would now believe is the fear of paedophiles, but is in yes. fact the fear, fear of, of children, children, which is a whole thing in in uh, yes movies. So yes, um, uh, so children are it, often. It, it, Thing. It ends on a twist, which I always enjoy in my movies. Uh, it, it also plays it quite subtle. There's very little... I think there's any CGI in the movie. Uh, and it's all about a growing suspense and not knowing things. And things happening that you don't quite understand. You know something's definitely off. I think the movie's end pays off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was with, a film I made with the the me, wasn't it? I don't think you've seen it before you met me, Leo, and I think I made yes, it. Yes, I hadn't seen it before. Yeah. I hadn't really... I mean, it's, to be fair... It's something where it's like, 
it's one of those things, it never came up. I didn't go, ooh, I'm not watching that. No, but I think but I, I, mean, I, think I never, it was yeah. one of those ones I made. Well, it was watch. on and yeah. we, we and watched it. And I said, it. you have you not watched that? Oh, it's not a bad film. So, yeah, it's one of those films. And I, I, can, I can understand why it would be something that you would be happy to watch, you yeah. know, with, with, with a parent. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's this very similar film that was made a little while ago uh, called The Awakening. Yes. Where yes. a woman goes to a school... Uh, and there's like that recently. remind me of that. Yeah. Now that again, I believe, um, is something that um, that on the surface of it. Well, I mean, it, yeah, there's been a lot of this stuff at the moment. I mean, I suppose the woman in black, the Daniel Radcliffe yeah. version, that is something you could watch with your parents. The Awakening, as I recall, does have some breasts in it, so may cause awkwardness in some quarters. But <laughs> generally speaking, it's a, that's a fairly decent. Uh, ghost flip. It is. It is. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, and the, the others fits in that tradition. It's in that classic ghost ghost uh, yeah. stories of the kind of forties and fifties, isn't it? It's kind of it, it, it's kind of how I like my ghosts. I like yeah. my ghosts to be subtle and so, abstract. So, and Ian, have you not seen all... the Woman in Black? I don't think someone black. I think I think oh, I know Harry the Potter in it. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen Woman in Black. Right, okay, there we go. That's the easy way to tell whether you've seen that Woman in Black and you're not sure it's got Harry Potter in it. If you yeah. know you've seen a film that wasn't a Harry Potter film. I think that is on your level there, Ian. Yeah, and, and also The Awakening is 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 worth watching. Yeah. Although I think I, I think I know The Awakening by a different name, but we should get to it in time. Yeah. Um, it's about a woman who goes to a, 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 a school in the English countryside where they... There they might be a, a, a ghost and there might not, and she's like a parapsychologist, so she's wanting to... Oh, no, it, I haven't seen it. That's not the film oh, I'm And, of course, you must have at some point caught a, any film adaptation of The Turn of the Screw. Yes. Yeah, that's right in there. So Absolutely. We, yeah, it's completely, yeah, completely... The, the others, The Turn of the Screw, The Awakening... Turn up in an old house in the country, there's weird children... There's a growing sense of you know something isn't right. To, 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 I think they come under the uh, they come under the heading that Eddie Izzard uh, once categorised all horror movies, and one of the categories was yes, you have choral music, and they go, he died tragically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much where we're at. <laughs> so yes, good, right. So yes, well there we go. I think what's interesting about that is. Of the first two picks, we've kind of covered the whole gamut of horror movies. <laughs> we've gone from the yeah. extreme <laughs> comedy gross out right up to the unsettling, creepy end of, 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 yeah. of British Ghost. So, where yeah. are you going to take us on this Odyssey, uh, uh, Justin, with your first pick? Clearly, this is something very underrated and very subtle, and that is Event Horizon. Oh, oh, now. Before we actually started this list, I was going to—I said there is actually another list that we could do. Those movies that actually get under your skin, and that's one of um, Leo. This was the one. It—I it, mean, I have seen it obviously again, and it was nowhere near the impact. But the first time I went with some mates, and we just literally crawled out, been very quiet. And just sat in the car on the way back, kind of being somewhat disturbed by it. I have the reverse. The first time I saw it, I was like, "Wow, oh, that was that was all right." Yeah, I, you know, I came out, that's fine. I then years later bought it on DVD. I was like, "Yeah, I'll sit down and watch that again." That was a pretty decent movie. Watched it. Was something about it really gets to me. It's I know it's not the best horror movie in the world, and I know that parts of it are a mess. 
But having said all that, I just I just find it very disturbing. And it so. is the classic example of it's what you don't see. And the most disturbing point of uh, of Event Horizon um, is, you know, you kind of get these flickers of images at one point on this vid screen where, yeah, I mean, those of you who don't know the story, there's this basically this ship that they're uh, floating in space, a bit like Mario Celeste. Um, you know, for some reason something's happened and, and they go to investigate and, and actually what's happened is they've opened um, a portal to hell and brought all these things through. Um and the whole thing is uh, very kind of atmospheric anyway. It's very dark, obviously, and it's clearly, obviously, a sci-fi horror. But there is one point where they get a look at the ship's log, and you see flashes of stuff. And you just, you, it looks horrible, but you only see it for a split second, and your brain fills in the rest of weird kind of, you know, tentacles being shoved in people's mouths. And it's all rather dark and nasty, but you see so little of it. But that was really what absolutely freaked me because I was just imagining, you know, all these horrific things going on. I think there was a case that may be made in that movie um, where actually the the actual end, like as it builds up to its horror movie climax, the end of it is not anything like as bad as the middle. I mean, the end gets a bit silly and overwrought. It's that bit in the middle that really gets you. And if the end had managed to tie in with that, they'd been something a bit more low-key. That might have been one of the great horror movies of history. But as it is, they just went, no, let's just make everything bigger, and people with their eyes out, running around without their skin on. Yeah! And he's like, okay, now I'm I'm getting less. I'm not a great fan of people being possessed. Um, But that aside, it also has Sam Neill, uh, going mad and, and things being in his head, and even the reality that Sam Neill is seeing isn't isn't real. That's kind of been in other films as well. I, I think little things stick in my head about the movie. I remember Lawrence Fishburne, who's a wonderful voice, talking about, you know, have you ever seen what Fah does in Sarah G? That 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 conversation link link is in my head as well. It's definitely unnerving. I, I think, agree. The end is completely overwrought and, and terribly silly. Sam Neill going, I am home. And suddenly becoming superhuman like these weirdos always do at the climax of the movie. Um, but yeah, it's definitely the whole gothic. Because it was based yeah. on like a dungeon, wasn't it? The architecture well, they, of the ship. They, they, the ship was based on a cathedral. So all the, all the plans were based on the architecture of that. So if you, but you don't see it because everything's very dimly lit. There's a lot of these gothic arches and, you know, it's very uh, much... And, it, the, uh, and the gravity sphere is a, is a great piece of science Oh, it's fiction. Baroque. This Baroque kind of, you know, kind of nightmare of kind of spines. And it's, it's very... It's, it's not what you would expect from a sci-fi film, the look of it. I and that adds to the unsettledness of it. It really feels kind of, kind of dark and sinister. To a certain extent, I would say there's possibly a, a case to say that, that at that point, after Event Horizon to date, there's been very few horror movies that have really tried to... I mean, the whole thing with Event Horizon was it comes in a sort of... uh, at at the end of a run where, you know, that started uh, in the 70s and then ran through the 80s of people trying to push horror into new places. And if you think about it, after Event Horizon, I can't think of many movies that really stick to that trying to do something a little bit new. There are things that... But this is where... I have a problem with horror. Event Horizon is possibly the last horror movie that I went to see where I can genuinely think they tried to do something new there. 
Yeah. And, and, yeah. I think science fiction and horror is a hard mix. I think say in science fiction saying, and the ship opened a gateway to hell, it, it somehow jars against the genre slightly. A dimension oh. which is so warped, it drives you all crazy and disturbs reality. You can get behind, but hell, actual well, hell. No, I don't. I, I never took it that it was literally hell. Oh, I mean, I think I took yeah. it that there was some. Yeah, that it had gone somewhere. That basically they'd gone a bit Cthulhu. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They they'd gone. That basically, they thought they were going from point A to point B, but actually, what they their motor actually did was end up pushing them to point C, which is yeah, some kind of Cthulhu esque Lovecraftian uber horror dimension thing that was outside of all normal realities, and that they shorthanded it by saying, we opened a window into hell. Yeah, but what's what we perceive as hell? I mean, you know, you don't believe that when people say, we went over that ridge, and what we found on the other side was hell, that they actually found hell in a Vietnam movie. You say, <laughs> they shorthanded it by saying... There's it lots of religious icon iconography and kind of Christ kind of thing. Quoting of Latin and things. All the way with the characters. I think that's just to add to the creepiness. I think, yes. I mean, I don't think we're literally... It's just something, obviously, that we would perceive as because it's, it's you know, it's it's horrific. Uh, I think that didn't bother me at all. Um, yeah. I, I've got to say, I think you're all wusses. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, um, well, finally on this round, uh, my number three, uh, an unusual movie, I think, Mostly forgotten by most people, uh, Nightbreed from the oh, early nineties. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. Um, a that film takes me back. Yeah, because I'm, I'm a little bit younger than you, to you guys, so it wasn't quite old enough to see it at the time. Um, You're a bit younger than us, guys. I'm younger than you. Yeah. <laughs> right. This is a film, and it's a film I fondly remember. The fact is that Clive Barker is the king of setting things up for a continuity, and then. He gets bored and nobody's interested and it all just dies um, on the vine. Which, you know, in retrospect is fine because he clearly, when he did get more interest, it became very clear very rapidly he was just making stuff up as he was going along. He had no idea where anything was going or what anything was going to pay off. He was the king of noodling. And yeah. this is one of his, his noodles. Uh, one of the, the um, amazing things about this movie... Um, or one of the notable things about this movie is that it features uh, the acting of David Cronenberg, the film director. And though, uh, uh, David Cronenberg's been in a couple of things as an actor over his career, and, and this is, is very notably one of it, in which he plays a man in a leather mask who uh, is a serial killer. Um, but then the rest of the time he's a psychiatrist. Um, and it's just, yeah, he's just fabulous in the movie. But what I, I actually, you know, you, it's very difficult to get hold of in this country these days. I don't know if it's any easier in the States, but um, I watched it recently, like a couple of years ago, and was amazed that actually it's one of these films where when you look at it all put together, it so shouldn't work. David Cronenberg is in a different movie to everyone else. Danny Elfman is writing a score for a completely different movie <laughs> to the movie that is being made because it is your traditional... Well, I mean, Danny, it's the kind of thing... Danny Elfman sketched the basic score for this movie on the back of a napkin and therefore it is one of those scores that he does, like, that he can write before breakfast, uh, you know, that his hand can move over to the bedside table while he's deeply asleep and this is what he would come up with. 
But yet, that's not the film it is. It isn't a, a Beetlejuice, light-hearted, Danny Elfman-esque, Tim Burton, bah, 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 movie. It's, it's much darker than that in its scope and intent. Um, Craig Sheffer is bizarre as a choice for the main character, being as he's kind of like an 80s stroke, early 90s version of David Baranaz. And, and you know, he's he was pretty 80s in the 2000s. So, you know, you can imagine like him being a dark hero warrior really doesn't work at all. It's strange or it shouldn't, but it, it kind of does. The female lead is neither here nor there. And then you have all these crazy, fantastic yeah. monsters and a very awesome. complicated story, which is that the monsters are the good guys and the humans are the monsters. And the monsters are under siege in their city brought about by, you know, accidental, yeah, the encroachment of the, the humans and so on and so forth. And it, and it all blows up. And then there's, like, the god of the monsters at the end who is in a big pit in the ground and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It, it's just this crazy film. And it should be a complete mess. And it pretty much is very messy, but it just has this great mythological... It's another one of these films. It pushes horror into places where horror hadn't been previously, even more so than Hellraiser. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I I, I fondly remember that. When was the last time you saw it? Oh, now now you're talking. Some point in the 90s. Yeah, and that's the thing. If you watch it again today, I mean, I think if you fondly remember it, uh, you have to admit, even with your fond memories, it hasn't aged well. Yeah, but, well, it's, you know, it's physically effects-driven, so what's, I suppose people look a little... It's not about the effects, though. It's about the fact that the whole movie is made wrong. It's, yeah. There's nothing about it that hangs together. It's completely incoherent. Having said that, it's better than anything they make these days. Hmm. God, get off my lawn. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I, I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't seen Nightbreed, but my only experience of it contemporary to the time, was playing the demo that came with Crash Magazine on my ZX Spectrum. Uh, <laughs> and the, the, yeah, you had the glossy photograph of the, of the huge, very obese creature, kind of naked like a sumo wrestler, with teeth in the demo, nicking my ass every time I tried to fight him. Does that connect with anything at all in the movie? Uh, yes, yes, that creature is one of the creatures in the other... Well, Ian, you should... I mean, if you can find a copy, you should probably watch it, because it's not... It's not what a horror fan, I think, would really call a horror movie, due to the fact that it's actually more of an action siege thriller with just very weird body horror set dressing, really. And it's this, it is fascinating in that the, the idea is that um, the monsters are all the lost races of Earth that humanity have hunted to the brink of extinction, and they exist in this night world sort of, let's say, the necropolis cemetery-type place in the middle of nowhere, and that um, they are the good and the kind and the the noble peoples that existed in the long-ago distant dark times, and this plague called humanity rose up and slaughtered them all to the brink of extinction, and and that they are hiding. And then all this stuff happens in which the, 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 you know, the small community is revealed to be there 
to the local redneck humans. And they all come with their pitchforks and their shotguns and their flaming torches going, kill the monsters. And you're like, no, but the monsters are nice and you are horrible. And it makes you ashamed to be human. And it's, yeah. Basically, like, basically it, it's Fern Tree Gully with bodily mutilation. <laughs> yeah, in a way, no environmental message. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, it, it's, it's a fascinating, although ultimately flawed and incoherent movie that set up for this crazy sequel that never, never happened. So, yeah, so there we go. That's, that's my number three. Um, and to mix up the order a bit, let us skirt back to Justin and ask what his number two is. So, number two is fairly recent, and this is Cabin in the Woods. Oh, yes. Which is obviously a film about horror films, uh, and obviously has touches as well of, of, of pure horror. Um, I just, you know, this is probably one of the most, um, the most interesting things I've seen with horror done for a long time. So it's very rare I go to the cinema and go, wow, that was actually very smart. Um, so it's just, you know, um, as you, as you're aware, it's, it's, it plays on the conventions of, of horror films, explains why, you know, uh, or has a, has a, has a, a setup that explains why horror films can be rather formulaic in, you know, their, their characters. Yes. Um, uh, I wrapped, wrapped all that up with kind of humour. A very black humour and, you know, the end of the world kind of Cthulhu-esque creatures. Yeah, I should, I should intercede at this point. Ian, have you seen Cabin in the Woods? It's interesting you should raise this point, Leah. <laughs> I have not seen Cabin in the Woods I because my local thing, cinema right, is Ian, rubbish. the thing that you need to do the minute that this podcast is over is go and find a copy of Cabin in the Woods and watch it. And, it is amazing. And the, the problem is you've now put us into what was known at the time of the cinema release as the Cabin in the Woods problem. That is that as soon as you work out that somebody that you're talking to has not seen Cabin in the Woods, you stop talking about it. You cannot say anymore. You just have to go to them, go and see it, knowing the little that you may know at this point, go and see it, and then come back and we'll talk. And unfortunately, you've now put us all in that position. So... <laughs> Um, well, I'm but, sorry I made you all feel... We'll be careful, it's an amazing film. Yes, you need to go and... Yes, basically, the way that the conversation... I mean, yes, this is the thing we could talk about, the phenomenon of Cabin of the Woods, which is exactly that, that at the time, you would check if anyone had seen it, and they were doing this on film programmes as well. People talk about, you know, people just blow, you know, oh, spoilers, spoilers in the film yeah. reviews and all this. Everybody was so sensitive about this movie, not to give anything away, that even the film reviewers were like, well... I could say it's a horror movie, and I could say it's brought to you by Joss Whedon, and I can say that it's it's smart and it's clever, and it's got some great bits in it, but I can't say any more about anything, because the more I tell you about it, the more I feel that I'm taking away from you the joy of seeing it for the first time. And this is what this is what people said, and you know, that that's that's how it worked out. That's part of the phenomenon. And it's been the, the only film I've known for ages where people have gone, you know, I don't want to tell you anything about it. You have to savour every minute. Yeah, you have um, to watch it and, and love it. because, And you have to well, watch it carefully. Cause you, you, don't, you don't have to love it. Yeah, but but you, in order to get the most out of it on a first pass, you should know as little as possible and just kind of drink it in. I think that's a fair summary, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, I think well, so. I, I, 
I can't promise you I'll go look it up immediately we finish recording. No, no. Because it'll be gone midnight. But, but <laughs> seriously... It's, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely amazing. a film that people should watch. At yeah. this stage, it's amazing that you've remained spoiler-free for as long as you have. Yeah. I mean, what do you know about the movie, Ian? Uh, very little, because you keep telling me not to not to look into it, just go watch it. Ah, yeah, no, no, but but the point is that there's that we are not the only people who talk to you in the world, so you might have... <laughs> You'd be surprised. Um, <laughs> okay, so there we go. So, yeah. <laughs> well, no, we're not going to ruin it. I, I don't think anyone in my particular circle has actually gone out and seen this movie. I think well, it kind of flew by as a, as, as a piece of cinema going, it isn't in the DVD shop down the road. Well, then you're going uh, to... I, I'm not subscribed to Netflix, yeah. so... Well, then you're going to be the patient zero, because I am imagining you are going to watch yeah. this, and then anyone you know who hasn't seen it is going to go, you have to go and watch that. Yeah, take a free subscription to Netflix. No, you can't get a subscription to Netflix, because they don't have Netflix in Oz. What? We kind of went through this. <laughs> How many streaming movie ser- legal streaming movie services are there in Australia at the moment, Ian? I'm not entirely sure, to be honest with you at the moment. Okay, we'll um, it, and it, it is getting slightly better. There's not many. I think there was. Uh, I, I can't think off the top of my head. It's 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 ten to ten to twelve at midnight. Okay. Um, uh, I, I I will see what I can do. I've see looked around for it. I've even tried Jim <laughs> Lad <laughs> sources, and they haven't been very helpful either. Um, so I, it could all be one big conspiracy. This movie doesn't exist, and you guys have been pulling my leg. My <laughs> that would that would indeed. Are you be serious? A a Joss Whedon had time to make a horror movie in the midst of all he was doing. My God, you're gullible, Ian. Hello. <laughs> no, it's not a joke. It's very. <laughs> if that was the case, obviously um, it's been blown by announcing that as my as my top two film. <laughs> yeah, to everyone else. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on from that swiftly at this point, I think we've actually. I think what's interesting about that is that although we haven't like pulled it apart, we have covered the essential spirit of the cabin in the woods yeah. phenomenon. Yeah. With that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's very useful that we have someone who hasn't seen it in the room. So, Ian, what is your number two? My number two, uh, fairly boring, probably. It's the original. Um, Japanese version of The Ring. Oh, my word, yes. Nice film. Uh, just full of so many disturbing little things. Again, the creepy children theme uh, returns. I don't have anything against children. I, I go on quite well with my niece. <laughs> I like to point out. Um, Ian, Ian should never have children at this stage. Um, <laughs> I should, for the audience at home, I, I You need should, not worry on that score. <laughs> I, should tell you, I should tell you that uh, I first saw The Ring recorded off uh, of Channel 4 in the UK, um, and they broadcast it at like 2.30 in the morning, and I recorded it onto a an old battered VHS video cassette <laughs> with, a small, with a small smudge of white paint on uh, the top uh, right-hand corner of the, like, the spine where you put it in. So it didn't and I, I remember distinctly you handing me the video cassette with you, and going, watch this Ian, watch it, and then running away. <laughs> <laughs> that is the way to watch the ring. It's a VHS, you know, video recorders well, yeah. don't really exist anymore because yeah. honestly, that the one. I mean, and, you know, don't get it out of a video store because then it'll have a label on it saying the ring and it will come in a box and all that. No, if you've got some anonymous cardboard sleeve <laughs> VHS without even a label on it, 
and you've just got this black video cassette, you put it in, and then you watch it, it adds a little extra layer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get a phone call while you're watching. <laughs> yeah, and then, then you finish watching it, and the phone rings, and you've done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, apart from the creepy girl coming out of the television set, which is just, just an image now that's become so famous, it's also the small things, like uh, your, if you've seen the video, uh, your face, if you're filmed or photographed, is distorted and blurred. There's something about that that is curses on you, and it's 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 erasing and obliterating you as a person. That your own image is no longer your own. That's that I found very disturbing and creepy. Yeah. Uh, other Ring films, even by the original makers of, of the Ring. Yeah. Oh, oh, what have you done, guys? What have you done? I think it's difficult to kind of re- uh, you know reenact that first time. You yes. It's Either quite a purist, and quite kind of the ring. Because um, I, I, I did see Ring Zero or Ring whatever the first time. I did see the original. I'm really pleased I saw the original first, and I remember watching this really late at night, uh, and watching it and being generally spooked. But you know, there wasn't any massive, you know, because there's different pacing being a kind of Japanese film, and it was the first time I'd seen those kind of type. I've been getting more and more and uh, disturbed by these little bits, like you say, these little things going on. And then going, well, that's that. And then the end, I was utterly terrified with. I mean, I was, I was like, wow, that's a payoff. Now, I've, that, I've never managed point. to see the remake no. um, because it's, the time when terrible. is it terrible? It's the American not, remake. Uh, it's terrible. not worth it. It's not really worth yeah. it. Oh right, okay, cool. What's really weird is that they have the sequel to the remake on right. Netflix, but they don't have the original. It's like, well, I'm not watching the the sequel to the remake. Without watching the remake first, so why have you even got uh, that in the catalog? You know, it's, it's dreadful. It's just avoid it. Yeah. Okay, I'll avoid it. Like the play. It, it, it throws out its initial premise and goes to something else instead. Oh dear. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, it's also the fact that a series of images can kill you yeah. on a spiritual level. There's little things like that that just play with our subconscious fears about looking at things. Yeah, uh, there's that a film that there's does a, it for that, me that um, came out more recently that was uh, very flawed in the fact that I think that it, it for, for reasons which I shall go into, right, but I don't know how many, but we watched it, it's called Sinister. Sinister, yes, that reminded me of it, yeah. Yes, that's got it, that's got it, but the problem with that is, and I think this is vital, any horror movie, I think, has to have two sides. One side is the side of the horror that we're talking about, that, you know, the, oh, this is scary, but then the other side of it is that kind of they're winking at you and like it's got to have a little bit of tongue in cheekness. I think we talked about this on before on the podcast. And I think that the ring man, the, it is almost, you know, it's tongue in cheekness is how po faced it is. Whereas we haven't got that in the West. We can't make something so serious. It starts to have that element of fun because it's almost like that Leslie Nielsen thing where he said the way to be funny is to not have any idea you're being funny. The way to be tongue-in-cheek when you're being serious is to be so... No, this isn't funny. No, it's really not funny. No, it's not funny. You know, and the more that you are serious... Whereas in the West, we don't do that, and it just comes out a bit depressing and lifeless and... Yeah, it's depressing, actually. Maudlin. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll go with my number two so that yeah. I'm going last twice in a row. My number two horror movie, which will surprise everyone because they'll be like, really, horror movie, is it? But it is often counted as a horror movie, and that's why it's made my number two spot, is The Crow. Okay. Yeah. 
I think it's a great film. Yeah. It's a great film. Hmm. Uh, you, you do like films with a good mythology behind them, don't you? Yes, I, I very much do. Not... The Crow... Night... Oh, sorry, carry on, Nightbreed, yes. No, that's, well, that's got something, it was Nightbreed, you, you've enthused about, it's, it's the same time Clive Barker got his mythology right. Um, you know, the actual, his own background and setting for the But he wasn't, nice well, I think it's more the case, he wasn't allowed to go on long enough to get it wrong, but yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, it's... You don't, aren't deeply familiar with it, Leah. What is it about the crow that you... Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the thing about, right, okay, there's a thing about The Crow where, with the exception of the fourth movie, there's, there's three Crow movies, which may come as news to some people. They may remember The Crow, they were, well, most, a lot of people remember The Crow, and then they remember The Crow 2 uh, as being a sort of, oh, it's a faded away, it's a terrible, terrible rehash of the first Crow, oh, terrible. And then they don't know about The Crow Salvation at all, because by that time, you know, we weren't getting them over here in the UK at all, and in the US, they barely registered blip. But there is, there's a third, there's even a fourth movie, but I'll talk about that in a minute. But the fact is that those three Crow movies, one in a, in a row, are the same movie remade three times with different actors yeah. and a slightly different setup. They're exactly identical. They're all totally the same movie because they all do exactly the same thing. Um, and I even understand that there is a slight law of diminishing returns. To a certain extent, I think that The Crow 2 is harshly treated because I think that what I like about The Crow 2 in particular is the fact that the villains in that are much weirder than Michael Wincott in the first. It's a very strange gallery of villains in the second movie, but the action isn't quite up to snuff. <laughs> and then the third movie it is a complete law of diminishing returns the action isn't great, the villains aren't great the whole thing's a bit tired Edward Furlong, Kirsten yes. Dunst but I can sit through that story, the crow story and the rock music and the, the motorbikes and the gangsters and the weird supernaturalness I can sit through that story over and over again and I don't really care that it's just a rock video over and over again and are just interpretation of the same story. I don't care. I'll watch it time and time again. Which is why the fourth movie is so crushingly disappointing. Because they took away many of the elements that make the crow the crow. Lots of it happens in the daytime. What? There's no rock music. Ah? Huh? Oh, and I think it's Edward Furlong in the fourth one. I don't think Edward Furlong is the... Yes, Edward Furlong is the crow in the fourth movie. Um, and not in the third. The third I can't remember. It's some unknown and person. Is that right? I'll, I'll quickly look at it. I'll, you could be right. But anyway, yes, the point is that the fourth movie completely isn't even a crow movie. Yeah. It's yeah. just awful. So, yes, I can't watch that one. But the first three, even though I acknowledge they are basically the same movie done on a slightly lower budget with less good actors each time, still can't help it. Yes, uh, he was in Crow Wicked Prayer. Oh, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Need to have a shower now. <laughs> uh, now, I, I, I purely mentioned this because it was it was kind of synchronicity. Uh, when we were doing our college days, um, you made a supernatural revenge movie where a guy a gangster comes back from dead and goes against his former um, members uh, in, in a revenge plot. Yeah, and it was it was synchronicity because you wrote it before the crow came out, 
and it was like almost like oh, it's it has lots of lots yes, of, and I did the same have, basic gist. Yes, I didn't have the money to buy the graphic novel, so I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't know anything about it until the movie randomly came out. And I was like, oh, there's my movie that I made a few months ago. That's it. Yeah, that's what I was kind of going for. And obviously, because I'm 18, didn't work. But yeah, I can see how that would have gone. Yes, great. Yeah, so, so I think it was—it's kind of in your DNA, and I like a good—I like a good supernatural revenge movie as well. So yes, crow. Cool. Um, and anyone else got any further thoughts on the crow? Just that it's a great movie with a great soundtrack. Fair enough. Cool. And your number two, Sue. A film that gets overlooked a lot, and yet has, a, to me, one of the best mythologies in a horror movie ever: Thirteen Ghosts. Ah, yes, yes, Thirteen yes. Ghosts. Has everyone seen? The DVD extras are wonderful. Oh, right, yes, so everybody's seen 13 Ghosts. Yeah. We've made everyone sit down and watch it at mm. least once. Yes. Yeah. I have heard complaints about that movie that it squanders its mythology, and I think that is fair to yeah. us. A slight but amount. it still has one of the best mythologies that could have been worked along with yeah. I've ever seen in a film some ever. Some people find it very jarring, and I, when I think back, I could kind of agree with this, but I don't find it jarring is that it's cut like a rock video. And it is. Things aren't on screen for very long. And really hardcore fans of 80s horror movies. The thing is, in the 80s, when you built a rubber monster, like a a kind of extravagant rubber monster, you didn't have very much money. So when you did a shot of that thing, you held it long enough that you you could savour it. And in 13 Ghosts, they had enough CGI and enough money and enough that they could give you... A flavour of it, but in order to actually see the thing you were looking at, you'd have to pause the video. And obviously, yeah. you weren't going to do that. So people were complaining, it's too fast, and they throw it away, and there's dumb bits. And I'm like, yeah, but if you can handle, if you, I mean, yeah, I, I'm saying that's you having a problem with the speed at which you can perceive things, because that never even occurred to me. Yeah. I just watched it and thought, wow, that's great. Yeah. And that the idea is great. And yeah. The mythology is good enough that you can believe that there's like, you know, in a sort of <laughs> Cthulhu-esque universe, there's a, there's a fictional book which has, you know, the dark um, ast- ast- um, zodiac. Yeah. 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 It's such a clever idea. And the, the themes yeah. they have for each of the signs are so clever as well. Yeah, I just think it was absolutely beautiful mythology now. And I think it was so... In a way, wasted, but in the same respect, I think the film wasn't given half as much credit as it should have been. And, it was, and, and the other thing is that a lot of people were very annoyed by that, oh, and now we're going to have the sassy black housekeeper. And, you know, oh, no, you didn't! And it's like, and I'm like, well, I didn't mind that. I didn't care either way. I can't even remember the sassy black housekeeper. You got the last line in the film, it was, which was something <laughs> along the lines of, oh, hell no, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. I, the thing about it for me I is... I think some people were offended about the whole Shannon and Elizabeth running around being completely binty, you know? And it was like, but to me, that's a homage to every silly horror movie that ever came before it and ever came since. I think it is, I mean. as far as silly horror movies go, yeah. it is the winner of silly horror movies. Yeah. It's the homage to every other horror movie of silliness that ever came before or since. And it has that beautiful mythology. To and me, it's like, come the, on, people. The way they explore that with the voiceover in the DVD extra. I think that DVD extra where you go through all the signs and you can find the origin of each of the ghosts yeah. is one of the best DVD extras ever. Yeah. 
Mm. It's worth buying the DVD just to play, just to watch the extras. So there we go. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very good choice. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think we'll let Ian off the hook here and let him get sum up his last dregs of enthusiasm in this uh, late <laughs> recording session. And well, we'll... you know, let, let us set the scene for everyone's number one. Let's yes. just close, draw the curtains, light the candles, bring it right down as we as we get into the spooky atmosphere of our favourite films. Well, it's kind of hard because I was I was flipping between the ring and this one. And anyway, given your reaction to the ring, I feel like I should have hold, held it back. But oh well. Uh, so this film I saw, I was on a cruise ship uh, for a week with my family. And hey, if they're going to show a film on a cruise ship, you go see it because it kills time if you're not interested in using the casino. Um, and it was, I think it was called The Orphans. No, nobody... Oh yeah, the, what the Spanish film? It, yes, a Spanish. It's oh, you mean the orphanage? orphanage. The orphanage. orphanage sorry, orphanage. I do apologise, everyone. It's Del Toro. Orf- well, it's it's yes. assisted by Del Toro. Yeah, it's a Del Toro. So yeah, orphanage. It's a, it's another age creepy house, creepy children movie. Yeah. I'm afraid that's completely my trilogy of creepy children films. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it's just uh, again, there's a there's a there's a nice twist at the end uh, that sort of ties it all together. It, it's it's the building tension that's going on. There's the anxiety about her missing son, uh, and and the horrible reveals that you eventually get uh, about that mystery. Um, there's a very disturbing game of blinds man's buff that is played at one point in the movie. It just kind of hung around as like. Yeah, I, I could live with this kind of ghost have movie. You, have you seen The Devil's Backbone or Pan's Labyrinth, then? I haven't seen Pan's Labyrinth. I want to. I haven't have seen, you seen The Devil's Backbone. Backbone? No. Okay. No. Um, one thing I'm going to say is, by the time I think I saw The Orphanage, it was hyped up a lot. I didn't really like it, to be honest. You weren't that bothered, but I think you've also had the privilege of The Devil's Backbone and Pan's Labyrinth by that yes, time. Yes, I suppose, yeah. Which are far creepier. Um so yeah, I think I think the orphanage is very, is very disturbing until you see Pan's Labyrinth and the, and the Devil's Backbone, which are also Del Toro efforts, which are taking it to another level of creepy. So yeah, that might be if you're into that kind of disturbing mind creepy, then yeah, we could take it a step further. <laughs> Just children with sack faces. Yeah. <laughs> Justin, uh, thoughts on the orphanage? Uh, yeah, I mean, I. I I I enjoyed it, but I don't think it's it wasn't hugely memorable. I didn't come away going, oh my gosh, because there you know there are a few that fit into that kind of genre. Yeah. Um. So for me, it wasn't it didn't stand out as being particularly like the best example of that type of thing. Um. But you know. Yeah, well, you, you, you was what first came to mind, and it really did stick in my mind because I wasn't. It wasn't a film I chose to go go see. Yeah. It was happened to be there. There's a film on. I'll go sit down and watch it, and just being really pleasantly surprised yeah. by this foreign language film. I'm going away, going. That was that was quite clever and well put together. That was made by a filmmaker. He knows what he's doing. I uh, think it might be worth you going and looking at The Devil's Backbone and Pan's Labyrinth now, because I think that is definitely your genre of film. It's definitely, that kind of genre is definitely... Pan's Labyrinth looks absolutely horrific. It is. It, it, it will get in your head and under your skin slightly, but it's, it is, but but it's also, beautiful at the same time. It is beautiful, time. yes. It has got a mythology to it that is wonderful, and uh, it is inventive, as well as 
Uh, worst bits are kind of the bits that are kind of more human-like, aren't they, really? And actually, it's stuff is a departure from that. It's an escape from, you know, mm. uh, the nastiness. And actually, Del Toro, uh, the ones that Del Toro directs, produces, presents, or whatever he does, we saw Mama recently, and I liked that one as well for the same kind of it gets under your skin, it's, it's slightly twisted, he plays with the children again. It's all these children. He's, he's got a thing about children, but he's also got a thing about mythology. He's also got a thing about um, insects and creatures and things like that. And he, But yeah, he likes getting under your skin. Um, he does get under your skin. The one that Leo didn't really like is the one with the teeth. But I said, I want that house. Oh, right. They don't, they, yeah, don't be afraid of the dark. Yeah, you see, yeah. I like that yeah, one. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah. So, well, um, even though perhaps I haven't, I haven't cited one that everyone's leapt on. Yeah. I think everyone agrees. Oh, we, I see the ballpark you're moving into. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's good. Oh, yeah. It's a great film. We're not saying it's a gr- it's a bad film. What we're saying is, of the genre, we, we there's films that you haven't seen in that genre that are, that can take you a step further. Yes. But I think it, I don't. We don't dismiss the merit of the film that you've seen. As I said, the orphanage is a good film. It's just that. Yeah. Since then, there's been better. Yeah. Well, actually, before that as oh, well. Oh, wow, okay. before that. There was so, better. Sue, what is your number one? Well, I was going to go with my number one choice of, of the 80s full-stop end of story and go with Lost Boys, and then I changed my mind, actually. Oh, right. And pulled myself back and went, let's not go with the Lost Boys again and do the stupid Lost Boys thing again. And I went with Stand By Me. What? Stand By Me? I suppose... It's a Stephen King. It's a horror. It is... Yes, based on the body, of course. Yeah. That's about kids going to see a body. Yes, and I went with that. Curveball. Okay. okay. I felt it was a curveball. It is a curveball. I, I, would, I, I, would I, I, wouldn't even, I wouldn't even class it as a horror, as there's no supernatural elements to it. Surely. Okay, all right. Yeah, well, I'm... Okay, Sue, please. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm interested. I felt that even though there's not really a supernatural element to it, there is a quite a disturbed mental element to that film. There is a lot the of, dead. there is a lot of, not only about the dead body, but there is a lot of talk about things like suicide and things about yeah. painful experiences and things that are horrific to children. The, night, the, the nightmare he has yeah. where he, he's at his brother's funeral and his, brad, his brother, dad puts his hand on his shoulder and goes, it should have been you. Yeah. It is, is, is one of the most horrific things on yeah. Stephen King's so there is a pulled lot. out of his ass. There is a lot of things in that film that actually, when I look back on it, because I said to everybody at the beginning of this, there's not many films that get under my skin or disturb me. There's not, I am not horrified by pretty much anything. That film actually gets under my skin. That film actually, I can't watch without being slightly disturbed by it on a psychological level. And not because it's horror or not because, but because it, it emotionally affects me in a way that disturbs my brain because it disturbs the children who are in the film, if yeah. that makes sense. I the experience that they're going through actually affects me. I think this tells you something very important that maybe even Stephen King doesn't quite get his head round, which is that I think the thing that makes Stephen King puts him above yeah. other horror writers is that the horror comes on you on two levels. Yeah. One level is his, you know, oh, a haunted hotel, oh, a haunted car, yeah. oh, a spider under the you sewers see, now, or whatever. If you go to another uh, prime example of the Stephen King thing, which is Pennywise, it, I find that annoying. Yeah. I find that whole thing annoying. But so. the other level on which the horror comes to you in a Stephen King novel 
is in the characters, like some of his, his bad characters. It, to a certain extent, once you've read enough Stephen King's evil characters or characters who are, you know, asking for it in his terminology, you they kind of become parodyable. They become a thing, you know, his, his, his classic gallery of grotesques. But those grotesques are not supernatural. It's their personality, their history, their motivations that he explains so well that make you go, oh, God, I don't like him. And then he gets eaten or something. And you're like, good. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think Stand By Me is actually quite a disturbing film. I think if you go and watch it and don't get slightly emotionally twisted by it, there's something wrong with you. I mean, there's another film that does it to me, that does it to me, but on a slightly different level, and that's Flowers in the Attic. And that nearly made it up there as well. And they are the two films that I can honestly say in the entire history of my lifetime... Get under my skin. They are it. There is nothing else that actually scares me or I can. you could throw any horror at me, any visual thing at me, and I will not be affected. But you throw flowers in the attic or stand by me at me, and I am emotionally disturbed to the point where it's like, okay, this is under my skin, and I'm creeped out by it. So it had to be up there for me. I had to take away the silliness and actually go with what was seriously creepy to me. And stand by because, it, it's, because it's so much so much more real and so much more yeah. grounded in reality yeah. is what's so, it's so emotionally there in reality that it could it it's 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 actually almost disturbing. I think yeah. there is also a layer to which I would possibly put in. I mean, we're talking about our favourite horror movies or movies that get mm-hmm. under our skin or whatever it is. Yeah. But at Halloween, right? Yeah. You would not necessarily watch it. Yeah. In fact that kind of tells you something about the nature of Halloween, that what you don't want to watch something that's actually going to freak you out. Yeah. You want to have a bit of a laugh and, yeah. you know... So I, that, I can't see The Simpsons doing a Treehouse of Horror version of Stand By Me. No. They, have, they have done it, though. They have done a Stand really? By Me. Oh, they did a Stand By Me reference at one yeah. point. But anyway, right, to move on... Well, Family Guy did it as well. Yeah. But then that's off, right? Yeah. Um, right, I'll do my number one um, to keep things interesting. Um, and... Uh, my number one is far more traditional than uh, I think uh, the pick so far. I have to go with uh, the one, the only, the Evil Dead Two. Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is classic. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, so, so. Uh, never has a film been so gruesome, so quotable, so hilarious, <laughs> and yet so committed to it. You know, like you say, it's on my theme. Of of mytholo- films with a a, a, a crazy mythology, yeah. the Evil Dead. I think does the Evil Dead franchise doesn't get enough credit yeah. for the fact that it has this. I mean, it's a zombie movie that is like no other because in this case the zombies are Sumerian demons possessing the corpses of the dead, and that is not the case in any other zombie movie. Plus, the Sumerian demons have a crazy sense of humour. Which, you know, crazy warped, um, horrible sense of humour, which leads to this, you know, situation with laughing moose heads and, you know, chainsaws on the end of wrists and, you know, all of this kind of stuff. It, it's just, you know, and of course, you know, bringing to the fore and the centre uh, the, the horror icon that is Mr. Bruce Campbell. Oh, yes. So, you know. Uh, he will hit his head with a plate repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> 
Just for the fun of it, yeah. Yes, I mean, the, the thing that is the keynote of The Evil Dead 2 is that, yes, it's a zombie movie with loads of blood and gore, but that is so totally immersed in the world of the Three Stooges yes. that it is, it's not even, you know, it's just crazy. Um, and yeah. I, think, I think it's one of those films that everybody remembers where they were the first time they watched The Evil Dead 2. You know, because you kind of watch it in this kind of state of, I don't know what to feel about this movie. <laughs> I strangely, possibly due to my age again, saw Army of Darkness before I saw Evil Dead 2. Which makes me come out completely the wrong way around. I remember people talking at school. I never saw it, because I never watched horror films then. But at school, I remember people talking about the Evil Dead and going on about, you know, the various kind of visceral side of it. When I saw it, I was actually, they were like, I wish I'd seen this, because it wasn't anywhere near as scary as I thought, because it was just more bonkers than anything else. And so, um, sure, at that age, I might have been, been put off by some of the blood and gore. But actually, I was like, wow, this is actually a much a much better film than I just assumed. It was just some horrific you know, gore fest. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely the way the way that it is. I mean, it, it's like it is it cannot be. The problem is, I think that people feel, you know, it's not that it's not gory. It is, you know, it, it's ladled on uh, quite it's literally. Tone. tone can dramatically change your experience. Um, yeah, it's the fact that then there's this whole other layer. Yeah. Um, I mean, I remember um, when I had it described to me before I saw it, um, the guy actually did a fairly good job, you know, as, a, as te- one teenager to another. He's like, oh, it's film Evil Dead 2, it's crazy, you know. This guy chainsaws his own hand off and then he sticks the chainsaw to the stump and the camera zooms up and it's just silly. It just zooms up into his face and he goes, groovy. And I'm like... <laughs> I couldn't take it in at the time. I was like, you've made that up. Or and I was used to, you know, there's, there's actually a thing, and I don't know if this is just me or, or whether, uh, you know, I happen to associate with a lot of people with, you know, fertile imaginations and a liberal attitude towards the truth. But I, I had people lie to me about what was in films all the time when I was a kid because I think possibly somewhere in their head they thought something had happened that doesn't actually happen in the film or something, but they'd incorporated it into the film because they were watching a film they maybe shouldn't have been watching at their age. So when he said that to me, I just kind of, yeah, whatever. I'll believe it when I see it. And then years later, I watched the film, and I was like, oh, no, that really does happen. <laughs> oh, okay. He wasn't just making stuff up. <laughs> so, yeah, that is definitely a key feature. I think there is a point at which, if you've not seen The Evil Dead 2 and you haven't experienced it and someone describes a bit of it to you verbatim, you might go... That doesn't happen. And then it does. <laughs> so, so there we go. So that has left it's one me. alone. What Your number one, Justin. What is your number one? The lone survivor. Well, now, I think it is some thought. And there is one film, visually, that freaked and still does. Still stands the test of time. Uh, I'm bringing the temperature down. Um, we're in an isolated place. Far oh, north. No, no, we're not doing that white over film. The thing. The thing. White out. <laughs> don't do that white out. Flip Phil. yourself to it. That was horrific, but only because, but you no, know, we wasted two hours of our life watching that thing. Exactly. But anyway, let's move on quickly back to more. I am talking about the thing. Yes, Yay. the thing. And uh, yes. I remember being absolutely, and I watched it quite young. This is one of the kind of dodgy videos that we got off the guy from the pub. 
Um, and I be- remember being absolutely freaked by it because of its invention. You know, I hadn't seen quite so disturbing kind of physical things happening on screen before. You know, you've got dogs' heads peeling back. You've got, pe- you know, people... The, the bit that gets me is the bit where he's trying to resuscitate him and it's, the chest gives way. And I'm like, there's no... You're not safe anywhere. Something horrible could happen to anyone at any point because everyone, because the aliens in it, you know, perfectly replicate humans. So, uh, there is also, lot- yes, there is also the um, the thing which I mean, the thing about it is there's layers upon layers in this movie. Yeah. You might watch it and take it on that level of monsters and people turning into monsters and things like that. But then later, somebody in a conversation with you says, "Yeah," and there's always that question, right? If you're the thing, do you know you're the thing? Or do yeah. you think you're you, yeah. and then suddenly you realise you are the thing, and boom, you suddenly turn. So you've got that fantastic, you know, that sequence where they're testing the blood, and so they're all, you know, I mean, the tension, and obviously they're in this place, there's only a few, they don't really have anything to do to, to deal with this really, so it's incredibly, everyone's incredibly vulnerable, and say that the air of paranoia that grows through the knowing anyone could be this horrendous thing, like I say, you know if you're it or not. I think it's just amazing. I, I absolutely adore well, it. Well, I, I mean, I think that the thing about it, I think the, the feature of that is, if you're an alien and you've had a face hugger on, you know you're up for a chest burster. Yeah. <laughs> so the fact that you've taken it now to a layer where you know there's a horrible thing and you know that it's going to take, you know, what happens to creatures that have been infected by it. Yeah. Um, and then you're like standing there wondering, well, I feel like me. Yeah. I don't know. Am I me? What are, is there going to be a point? Does it creep up on you? Because of course the alien never discusses this. No. You don't know. And when, and, and, and you know, when it has taken over someone, maybe it crept up on them. Maybe it was they didn't know. And that's the the real. It's like invasion of the body snatchers. But even the people who've been body snatched believe they haven't. Up yeah. to a certain point, until they realise. My, uh, my thing anecdote. Uh, this was a film my brother saw. It was of his era, and I think I'd been away with Holly with my mum, and he got his some friends round. He watched the thing, and I'd speak to his friends. They came away from that film feeling disturbed, generally unnerved about you know their neighbours and yeah. work colleagues, uh, because it's a film about where people you know suddenly spontaneously sprout tentacles uh, and fall into separate pieces that walk around independently. Um, I didn't know that at the time. I just knew he was highly disturbed. And it's the one film my brother said, you're not going to watch this till you're 18. And he put it in his top of his cupboard. <laughs> and I didn't see it until I was over 18 years old. So it, it really had a mystique about it for me. Um, so with all these uh, positive thing experiences, like I watched it eventually, I was like, yeah, that's a pretty good movie. So I, I actually came in possibly too late. I mean, I didn't see it till a much later. Um, so I would ask, prequel, how do people feel about that? Did they? Did you see it? And if you did, did it arouse the enormous, you know, lava eruption of geek rage that it... purely in concept it seems a little unnecessary to do a prequel to the thing uh, and I think that was my main objection I haven't seen it then we have to just come up earlier that my brother chime in and go it wasn't that bad actually and he's my he's the guy I would defer to via the thing right, good okay you, yeah 
You haven't seen it, so you can't say. Uh, I have an opinion on it, which I shall say for myself until after Justin has had a chance. To... Um, I, I, I didn't do anything wrong. It didn't do anything. I didn't, I didn't erupt into a rage. Um, but I did, you know. But I, it just made me very nostalgic for watching the thing again. I mean, it, 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 the the thing, right? The the, the um, what you, you you must do at some point because I've done this. And I had fun with this, and I don't know if I'm wrong, because so many people seem to object to the prequel so strenuously, but if you sit and you watch the prequel, I mean, it's not really a prequel. As we said, prequels are very difficult, because the whole point of a prequel is that it's uh, a story that relates events that took place prior to something that is designed to be watched after the first thing and informs it but adds something new. Most prequels, as of, you know, being a rash of them, are not this. They are simply stories that are, take place before the thing. If you watch the prequel and then you watch the thing that it's supposed to be, they follow in chronological order. That's yeah. not a prequel. That's just making the films out of order. Sorry, folks. That's the way it is. The whole point of a prequel is if you watch the prequel before you watch the thing that comes chronologically after it, it somehow is less satisfying than watching it the other way around. And that is a very hard trick to pull off. So the thing yeah. prequel is not a prequel. It is just, this is what happens first, and then the yes. thing happens afterwards. Yeah. And if you watch them in that order and go all the way through, what's really nice about it is that you, when they visit the Norwegian research base in the 1980s movie, in the prequel, they make absolute, down to the set, down to the very last detail, every yeah. last thing that they find when they investigate is in this position. You see how those burnt yeah. bodies and the ice block, even down to the axe in the wall, how all of those things got into the position they got in, in a story that I didn't object to particularly heavily. I, I just thought, you know, it, there were things about it that did irritate me a bit. But, um, like the bit where they had a bit of a moment where it was like, uh, yes, don't worry. Yes, English person who we're all talking to in English to defer to the fact that the film has to be in English, despite the fact that we're in Norwe we're a Norwegian research base, and the fact that we have to defer to the fact that in the f next film there has to be a language barrier, and that explains why people don't get up to speed quite so quickly. This is Lars. Lars doesn't speak a word of English, and guess who's going to be surviving through to the end of the film, folks? <laughs> Wink. Do you know what I mean? It's like, well. That kind of thing irritates me because it's like you've gone all the way around the houses to say, yes, this film can happen in English because all the English speakers, they're going to die. And now right at the beginning, we're just going to point to the guy who can't speak English and his friend who also can't speak English and is oh, a helicopter pilot. And he's our, our sniper. It's strange. We've got a helicopter pilot and a sniper. Neither of them can speak a word of English. I wonder if that's going to pay off somehow, somewhere <laughs> down the line. And, you know, it's that kind of thing. Sometimes they had to stretch it to make it, and that is irritating. But apart from that, I thought some of the stuff worked really well. The thing I remember particularly is the axe in the wall. The way the axe gets into the wall is very neatly done. So, you know, that's... So, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I don't understand the fuss. And I've never heard... The only thing I've ever heard is people go, Oh, that was horrible. Oh, it made my blood boil. Oh, it was terrible. Oh, I had to go and watch the original one twice just to calm down from how awful that movie was. So what was bad about it? Oh, it was stupid. What was stupid about it? Oh, and then something about CG. And then, oh, and then that's it. 
and I don't, I don't, I don't want a point by point breakdown, people. What is wrong with that movie that inspires that amount of rage? But I'm not going to get that answer here. Um, Well, one place people could go to give her the answer. Yes, good work. I segued. <laughs> I'm getting good at this, yeah. Okay, so one place you can go is our Facebook page, uh, which is of course on Facebook slash Revenge of the Eighties Kids. That's Eighties as numbers eight zero S. Yeah, please go there. Please like our page. We want to grow our community hub. Uh, we put up our podcasts there. Also, we put up links and occasionally have discussions. Um, but if it's podcasts you're more particularly interested in. Uh, Podomatic is the place to go, so direct your browser towards 80s Kids, and that's 80s as in letters, so E-I-G-H-T-I-E-S kids.podomatic.com. Please go there and subscribe using the podcast aggregator of your choice, or download to your PC for dark reasons of your own. But we can also be found in other sinister corners of the internet. For instance, Leo? Uh, you can find me at leostableford.com. Uh, I, was, I used to do the the long version, but to be honest, that's easier. It gets you there. LeoStableford.com, where you'll find the podcast archive. Some of our earlier episodes are now only available via that stream or by searching the internet archive itself, um, which is where the archive is stored, unsurprisingly. Um, and I'm also doing a fairy tale serial in 2013 called Bridgetown Tales, or Tales from Bridgetown, which may be found at bridgetowntales.blogspot.com. And some of the early entries of that are illustrated by... That will be me. Uh, you will find examples of my sinister scribblings as I rock in the corner of the room. Um, that's my DeviantArt page uh, under the name Justin Wyatt. And uh, Sue, where can people find you on the internet? Nowhere. Nowhere. Sue, <laughs> Sue is the in- an internet hermit. No, I'm Facebook and stuff, but I won't yeah. for you. Yeah, no, that's fine. So, yeah. so there we go. So all but one of us, there's... One of us is the, the creepy woman, mad woman in the attic, uh, and the rest of us are all attention whores. So that, that sums up our Halloween uh, thing. So uh, from this particular Adams family, I think that's all. Uh, good night and do have nightmares. Goodbye. There were no survivors. Three, three.